Hey y'all, it's Lens, and it's 2021, February of 2021 to be exact, which not that I flatter myself to think that there are people that quote unquote follow me <laughs> or like look for me in the podcast app, but it's been a minute and... In fact, to um, make use of an old dad joke, y'all haven't heard from me since last year. It is true, though. Um, Time is passing. Time passes, and that's exactly what it has done. So I could sit here and don the sackcloth and heap the ashes, but I think I'm just going to put two feet in to 2021. So hopefully you're okay with that. Hopefully you're on board. And of the many, many things that have transpired since my last episode, which was around Halloween of last year, um, this probably is the, uh, (laughs) I mean, honestly, last year. Okay. I don't know what your year was like. Hopefully you'll email me and tell me. Um, but last year was, I'm kind of a bear, right? Uh, I mean, if we're going to trot out a really old, tired, cliche, metaphor, whatever, it just, it, last year was like the year that didn't end. There was one thing after another. And for most of us, we spent most of the last year just, I don't know, trying to survive, I guess. Um, whatever survival looked like for each of us. And so, um, it's just that I survived. Okay. In more than one way, more than one way I survived. Um, and so that's the story that I'm going to tell you. That's the story, morning glory. That's the tale, nightingale. Um, I was in Bye Bye Birdie in high school. Can you tell? (laughs) Okay. So, um, last year there was this thing called the Rona that basically took up the entire year. Um, actually it's still going. I don't know if you've heard, but the Rona is still, it's still there. It's still real. Um, now we have variants or mutants or whatever you want to call them, but, um, it's kind of been a thing we've been following whether you wanted to or not, by the way, I still have the creaky chair. So also the, the freezer that's here in the laundry room with me sounds like it's running really like loud today. So hopefully that's not annoying in the background. Anyway, as I was saying, the Rona has loomed large in the news and in our lives for the last year. In fact, I think I saw a headline yesterday or the day before that, um, well, maybe it was a week ago. I don't know. Time kind of blends together. That it was the one year anniversary of the first case diagnosed in the U.S. So we've been doing this thing for a, for a while. And um, there's maybe been this term that you've heard called pandemic fatigue. I don't know if you've heard this term or if you've perhaps experienced it, but 
I would say that on the scale of tired of the pandemic, you know, to being like very over the pandemic to the point to where like, I know that there's a spectrum of how people feel about the pandemic. Um, but uh, just speaking for myself, I will say that leading into the final month or months, I guess, la- the last two months of last year, um, I was definitely feeling pandemic fatigue. And honestly, the pandemic didn't derail my life in in the same way that it derailed many people's lives um, because of the fact that we were already a stay-at-home family, which y'all already know. But, you know, I was, I was feeling it. I was feeling done. I was feeling like I'm tired of this thing on my face. I'm tired of the news. I'm tired of just everything being the way that it is. And I was really looking forward to the holidays because I thought, you know, the holidays have this magically transcendent way of whatever is going on in your life, like I'm trying to think of all the, all the years of my life prior where things have been hard or things have been difficult or maybe they've been sad or maybe they've been stressful. Like, although the holidays certainly lend, um, an element of stress, there is just, it's to me so convenient that they happen at the end of the year and they give you something to look forward to. And especially in our family, because we have this avalanche of, birthdays and holidays and things that happen all at the end of the year. I have two kids whose birthday is on the same day in November. And then my husband's birthday is the very next day. And then the week after that is Thanksgiving. And then one year my sister got married that same, like the Saturday in between those two things. So that was an exciting event that happened in the like quote unquote holiday season. Anyway, all I'm saying is that the holidays always give me something to look forward to. And I think this year in particular, I was very much looking forward to the holidays because no matter what is going on in your life, um, there's the, for us anyway, because we have kind of the same traditions. We've observed like basically the same traditions for the last really 10 years, I guess, um, There's that sense of stability and normalcy and knowing what's coming next, you know, and just being able to look forward to it. So I entered the holiday season fully sick of the pandemic, full, full pandemic fatigue, um, especially considering we survived our three week long road trip without anyone getting sick. You know, it was getting to the point to where I'm not going to say that I didn't think that COVID wasn't still real. It just, for me, it felt like these gambles that I'm taking every day or every week, I guess, going places, seeing people like they're feeling more and more worth it because the sense of isolation that would be growing without these things, I think would be more and more ominous. Okay. So the holidays came, Christmas time was upon us. And normally we do special things around the holidays. One of the things we've tried to do for the last several years is we try to take the kids to a concert, a Christmas concert as kind of like a family, like a family tradition. And so one year we took them to see Lindsay Sterling. That was super fun. And then the, um, I think it was the next year we took them to see, um, these, I think they're brothers. They're called the piano guys. And one of them plays the piano and the other plays the cello and they play, 
I mean, they're classically trained musicians, but they play like crazy fun ways. Um, whether it be the arrangement, something that's really unexpected, or like the piano guy does this um, thing where he lays, he flips upside down on the bench and then he swaps his hands and plays a song upset. He calls it upside down and backwards. Anyway, it was really fun. Um, and then, so coming into this year, like all, everything was canceled. Okay. Just everything. So that was a bummer for sure. Um, but there was one thing that wasn't canceled <laughs> and <clears throat> y'all have heard me talk about her before. I think I shared this very early on when I started recording the podcast, but I follow this comedian, comedian. Do you think you say those two words differently? Comedian, the man versus comedian, the woman, comedian. Do you think you just say them the same way? I don't know. Um, she's a, she's a female comic, female humorist. Um, her handle on Instagram is at the Christie show and she does bit parts. And so she has this character that she plays called Miss Sherlene and Miss Sherlene is a choir director and she's older. I wouldn't call her elderly because she's very spry, but like she has gray hair. So she's of your, you know, maybe older aunt or grandmother's generation, if we're going to guesstimate an age. Um, she's timeless, of course. But anyway, she does humor as Miss Charlene, and it is hysterical. And it's been one of the one of the bright spots, actually, in this past year, is that she puts these videos on Instagram that are hilarious. And then she does Instagram live reels of where she and her sister who in, when she's playing the bit part, Miss Charlene, she calls her sister Ruby. They actually, they do what they call, they conduct choir practice and it's just hysterical. I just, I really can't summarize her to you in a way that is funny. So you should just go look her up on Instagram. She's at the Christie show and Christie is spelled C H R I S T I at the Christie show. Okay, so I follow her on Instagram. I knew that she was on tour. Now, I didn't know how tour was working with COVID, but she was on it, and there were tickets being sold for all these different venues, and I saw that she had a show coming to Atlanta. And so I turned to my husband, we were in bed, and I said, would you take me to see Miss Charlene? And he said, when? And I looked it up and I said, it's December 20th. He was like, the week before Christmas? And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And he was like, okay. And so I was like, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to see, you know. So I go to the show website. I click on the link to buy tickets. Before it will let me complete the transaction, there's this long section about COVID. COVID protocols. You have to wear a mask the whole time and you have to come to the venue two hours before the show to submit to COVID testing. This is what it said in the fine print, submit to COVID testing. So I turned to him and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to, we have to show up two hours early and submit to COVID testing. And he was like, 
well, how bad do you want to see Miss Charlene? And I was like, pretty darn bad. And so he's like, fine, I'm up for it. <laughs> so I was like, I guess I'm up for it too. Okay. I didn't really know the logistics of how, here comes the train. I did not know the logistics of how they were going to COVID test the general public attending the show, but I trusted the process. Okay. Everywhere else in the world is somehow figuring out how to, you know, work during COVID. So I trusted the process. We bought the tickets. They were not expensive. It seemed like a really fun and awesome way for us to spend an evening. And then we basically planned our whole Christmas um, visiting my husband's family for Christmas. We planned it around this comedy show because the show was at five. So we were going to need to come at three. And so we planned to have Christmas with his family at 11. We figured that would be done by two. We could leave the kids with his parents. We could go to the show. We could stay out, you know, past dark (laughs) and then come back, stay at their house that night. And then we could all go home the next day. He had the whole week off the week before Christmas. So we didn't have to be on any time of a schedule or anything like that. This was legitimately, I think the only, now that I'm trying to think back on the year, except for maybe one or two times where we left our children just like home alone. Cause they're old enough. Now we can do that. You know, my oldest is 13, so it's legal. Okay. (laughs) But other than just straight up leaving our kids home alone and going and getting something to eat. Sometimes we even just like got try drive through and like sat in the car. Okay. We had not been anywhere or done anything alone the entire year. So, <clears throat> so we did. Okay. We made the plan. December 20th came and I'm not going to lie. Like I was nervous because I thought this is the only, I mean, this is, we haven't been in public really in a crowd of people like our church is meeting in the parking lot. He works from home already. I work from home. I've only showed, you know, I only work, work part-time, so I'm not out showing houses um, several times a week. Most of the kids' activities had been canceled for most of the year, so they weren't really going anywhere. Like, a, anyway, so I was nervous. I was like, we're getting out there. We're going out in public. Oh, my goodness. You know, this isn't just like a trip to the grocery store. But I was like, it's fine. It's fine. COVID protocol. So we show up two hours early and the parking lot is empty and I'm going, oh no, (laughs) are we at the wrong place? That's my immediate thought because I I always go to the worst, like worst case scenario. We were late and then I was like, oh my gosh, we're at the wrong place. Well, we were at the right place. Chris went to the door and, um, it said the door would open at five and they'd be checking temperatures at the door. So that was it, y'all. That was the quote unquote submitting to COVID testing. But again, like I said, I trusted the process. I was like, we're all going to have masks on. It's reduced capacity. Also, we're only going to be in there for like an hour because she had a show at five and then she had a show at seven. So I knew that they'd have to get us in, get us out and then like clean the joint before the seven o'clock show. So anyway, five o'clock came. We donned our masks. We got in line. We went into the venue. And wouldn't you know that the woman that they seated us with, who looked like she could be 
related to me. Hello, can I help you? Just, oh, just putting up the applesauce, huh? Thank you so much. I'm recording, by the way. I know. Okay, go on. Close the door. Thank you. It's time to brush teeth. Get ready for bed. What do you think I'm doing? As I was saying, sit down at the table. The lady across from me. No mask. No mask for the entire time we were there. Coughing as much as she was laughing. And... <clears throat> that was December 20th. Okay. So fast forward to Christmas day. And I don't know about you parents. Maybe we're just doing it wrong. <laughs> that could be the case, but we are tired on Christmas morning. Okay. <laughs> like When Christmas morning rolls around, we are tired. All right. And we were in particular, we were especially tired because, well, I was, I thought I was, this is what I was attributing it to. Okay. This is a, this is a little side rabbit trail that I have to tell you because it's so fun and it's totally one of the highlights of the last three months. But okay. So all last year we had to stay home all this time, you know, we we're doing all this staying home. And so like, there's only so many things that you can do to stay busy inside the house. The kids were getting bored with like all their toys, all their TV shows, each other, etc. They play outside a lot when the weather is warm, but these are Southern children. Okay. And so they have no hang at all when it gets cold. <laughs> When it gets cold, they're just like inside under a blanket, cranky, wanting to know when is spring. So it can be a struggle. Like we can kind of board the struggle bus at the house. Also, we did not realize this, but our heater, our like HVAC unit for the house was on its way out, like for real out. In fact, just two weeks ago, we had to have the entire thing replaced because it was never blowing any heat ever. And it was 30 years old. I mean, it was time. But anyway, these girls enjoy playing outside, but when it gets cold, they don't want to. Can't really say I blame them. I was not a play outside kid. Um, I'm kind of getting into playing outside now that I'm an adult, but as a kid, I was not. So they started lobbying really hard last year at the end of the year to their dad that they wanted a shed of their own. Like we have a shed. We have shed full of Chris's things, but, um, and they have their little playhouse. We just call it the, we've just called it the little house this whole time, which is an open, it's an open air. Like, um, the prior owner of our home used it for a potting shed, but that was where they had their little stove. That was where they had all of their little house things, their trunk and, you know, all of their dishes and all this stuff, just open, just outside. It's in the backyard, but, um, it has a roof and all that it has three sides, but it's open air. Okay. Well, it, it was just too cold for them. And so they, they started lobbying their dad really hard. Like daddy, please, if we had a shed, then we could play in it. And even if it's raining and even if it's cold and 
if we had a shot, it would be so amazing. And anyway, they, re- they really got him. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. I'm sure that no dad, when their kids are born, is like, yeah, I'm going to be a pushover. <laughs> like, I'm sure no dad does that. And Chris is not a pushover. I mean, he's really not. But something about this shed idea just really took root. And they worked on him hard for a couple of weeks. And then they started shopping and getting him to take them to all the little shed stores around town. And talking about pros and cons. We even at one point, we downloaded plans to build a shed. And we spent like three hours at a Home Depot on a Sunday afternoon, pricing all the materials that it would take to build a shed. Okay, long story longer. They finally convinced him. They found the perfect shed. And it just so happened to cost the same amount of money as what he had just sold his old truck for. <laughs> that was another thing that happened last year was that his old beater truck, which he really loved. It was a 1994 Chevy um, K1500 with blue paint that he and he and the girls actually painted. They painted it. It was a DIY job. Um, he actually really loved that truck, but it had gotten to the point to where it was like the AC didn't work. This, there was no seat belts really in the back seat to speak of. Um, it just like, it wasn't working as a family vehicle in any way, shape or form. And so, um, and as y'all know, the back end of our suburban, blew out in New Mexico and had to be replaced. And so when we got home from that trip, we were like, okay, well, I don't think we're going to tow the camper with the suburban anymore. So we had to start truck shopping. So anyway, he bought a new truck. He had the old truck. He sold the old truck, just so happened to make the same amount of money on the old truck sale as the shed cost. And so anyway, long story longer, on election day... (laughs) We were not watching the news. We were watching the little red she shed get installed in the backyard. And so now the girls have their very own shed. It's a little house. It looks like a little barn. It's the little red she shed. That's what little name we came up for it. And they've been playing house out there for the last three months. So back to what that has to do with the holidays. And Miss Shirlene. Um, doesn't have anything to do with Miss Shirlene. Um, so the holidays were coming and we were trying to think, first of all, we have a bunch of our usual traditions that we do, but we also wanted to try something new because there was, there was one thing about our traditions that we weren't going to be doing like we normally had. So for the last several years, or well, I guess it's like 10 years, Um, We've spent Christmas Eve at my mom's house. Well, my mom just moved. And so we wouldn't be spending, we wouldn't be able to spend Christmas Eve at her house. So we'd be at home instead. And so they were kind of like, you know, bummed about that because obviously they looked forward to going over to her house on Christmas Eve. And so I had the idea to spend Christmas Eve in the little house and basically do the Little House Christmas meal that if you read Little House on the Prairie, Ma cooks a Christmas meal for them. And Mr. Edwards comes and he brings, it's like a little potluck because Mr. Edwards comes and he brings the girls gifts 
from Santa and then he brings sweet potatoes and she cooks those in the ashes of the fire and she roasts a turkey that Paul hunted and she makes stewed blackberries and she makes these little special heart-shaped cakes with sugar on top. And so I was like, we, we could have, we could have Christmas. We could have little house Christmas dinner in the little house. And so they got excited about that. So that's what we did. So on Christmas Eve, we went to see our friends that morning that we always go. Um, we used to do it on the way to see my mom, but changed those plans up. So we went and we had Christmas Eve brunch with them. And then we came home and we got out into the little, well, actually, um, even the day before that we did, this is a joke I got from my friend Brandy years ago. I cannot claim this joke, but I stole it and I use it on Christmas Adam, which, you know, because Adam came before Eve. So Christmas Adam is December 23rd. Christmas Eve is the 24th. So because we knew we were going to have this Christmas Eve dinner in the little house and part of the book is that, um, Ma cooks, the sweet potatoes that Mr. Edwards brought, she cooks them in the ashes of the fire from the, from last night's fire. So on Christmas, Adam, the girls played in the little house all day and decorated it for Christmas. And they hung like holly branches everywhere. And they made a rag bunting to hang up and they like collected all their dishes and all that stuff. But most importantly, they had a fire going that night. And so the next morning there were still hot coals. And so we put our sweet potatoes in the coals before we left to go to brunch with our friends. And so by the time we came back, the sweet potatoes were cooked. Okay. So this, it was a lot of planning that went into this. I'm not gonna lie. It was actually a lot of work. I have huge props for mall. Um, anybody that thinks that like, times were easier. I mean, times were simpler. I think we know that they were simpler because there was less stuff to keep up with and maybe less drama. I don't know, but they were not easier. Oh my goodness. You had to be thinking all the time, like, where's tomorrow's meal going to come from? Like literally, where's it going to come from? So we had to think through all those logistics and the sweet potatoes was just one of them. The sweet potatoes was actually the part I was the most concerned about, which in hindsight, I should have been way more worried about the turkey. (laughs) So, um, in real life, in real little house life, Ma cooked a whole turkey, which I can't even imagine how much time or babysitting that took because in 2020, this mall was cooking, all I bought was a turkey breast. I thought, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Like, I'm just going to cook one hunk of meat and... I have a digital thermometer and I'm not afraid to use it. So I had this turkey breast in the, um, in the Dutch oven. Like we have this big, um, Hey, I'm trying to podcast in here. (laughs) Now she's whispering at the cat. We have a cat now. That's another thing that happened. Um, more on that later. Uh, so I thought, okay, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm just going to buy a turkey breast. So I bought a turkey breast and then I, we have a Dutch oven that we take camping and that was going to be perfect to cook on the stove top, you know, and I had my, um, digital thermometer, which has the probe that you stick in the meat and then it has the lead 
the like heat heat safe lead that if you're using it in your house, you stick it in your meat and then you close the oven door and you set the little digital readout thing on the counter and then you can even set it for temperature and it'll go beep, 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 beep when it hits a temperature. Okay. So I was like way overconfident about my ability to cook turkey on a wood burning stove in a Dutch oven. Well, anyway, <laughs> Christmas Eve arrived and I would say we got started around one one o'clock, got the fire revved up, pulled the sweet potatoes out of the ashes. They were perfect. Got the fire revved up, got the turkey on and it took forever to cook that turkey breast. Oh my goodness. Hours, hours. And I kept thinking like, oh my goodness, am I going to poison us? Like, how do I know if it's, is there something wrong with it taking this many hours to cook? Because I could have sworn that I had read something before about, um, course maybe it only has to do with ham but have y'all ever heard of like southern ladies cooking a ham in like a can of coke and they put it on some insanely low temperature they put it on like 200 or something and then they just cook it for like 24 hours my mother-in-law makes a ham like this and it's delicious I've never gotten food poisoning from her ham but now, now that it's me doing the cooking, I'm second guessing everything. And so I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's taking forever. Is it going to poison us? You know, but it seems fine. And the, you know, the temperature is going up. It's just going very slow. Well, anyway, it took like five and a half hours to get dinner on the table. And the whole time, you know, we're, we're in the little house and we have, it has a wood burning stove. It has a stove pipe to the outside. I mean, everything is done like properly. The house has windows, there's ventilation, but we're cooking by literal lamp light, like oil lamp light. And you're probably wondering, why is she going into all of this detail about what they were doing? Like, what is this? A humble brag? Humble brag? No, I'm telling you this because it, the whole, the whole events of Christmas Eve led to my confusion on Christmas day. Okay. So that's why you're getting the long story. Anyway, we're cooking by kerosene lamp light in a, you know, tiny house, a shed with a wood stove, um, for hours. And it's cold outside. It was very cold. And in fact, at one point it looked like it was kind of like almost snowing a little bit. There was like frozen rain falling. Not my normal, not my normal day. That's what I'm trying to say. So but it was wonderful. It was so fun. It was great. Like, even though it took forever, I didn't have anywhere else to be. It's not like I had to be in a rush. We didn't have anywhere else to be. We had already decided we were just going to stay home. We didn't want to go look at Christmas lights. We weren't, there was no like candlelight service at church. There was nowhere for us to be except home. So it didn't matter if it took all afternoon and all evening, which it incidentally it did. So at any rate, Christmas morning, me and wake up and we are beat, but me, like he's tired, but I'm like beat. And I just, I am dragging. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I'm exhausted. Why am I so exhausted? We didn't stay up that late. And our kids don't wake up that early. We are very, very lucky that our kids are not kids that wake up at four o'clock on Christmas morning and come jump in our bed and tell us it's time to open presents. Like I think, you know, I'd like to think that we did, we trained them because when they were little, they had this, they had this little, um, stoplight clock in their room 
And they knew they couldn't get up until the clock showed green. And the clock would never show green before 7 on a regular day. So we didn't change it for Christmas. So they never got up before 7 on Christmas Day. And now that they're older, they still never get up before 7. It's kind of amazing. In fact, last year, I was up for like an hour waiting for them to wake up. So it wasn't even like we got woken up in, you know, at the butt crack of dawn. But I was just beat. Okay. So Christmas morning, it was just the five of us at home. We had our usual Christmas. I make, um, I put apple cider in the crock pot the night before on low. And so there's apple cider the next morning. And then my family's tradition is always to make cinnamon rolls. Nothing fancy, just cinnamon rolls from a can. But that was the only time we ever got them growing up really that I can remember. And so I continued that tradition and it's super easy and awesome. So I recommend it, but we had cinnamon rolls, we had apple cider, nothing out of the ordinary. I'm just exhausted. And we have Christmas morning, we open all the presents and we're a open one present at a time family. So it takes a while. Okay. <laughs> so about 10, 1030 that morning, Christmas is done. We're kind of doing the cleaning up thing. And I'm like, just looking at Chris going, I'm beat. I'm exhausted. I don't really feel good. Like, I feel like I need to go take a nap. And I'm not a napper. I don't nap. Um, I usually wake up feeling worse when I nap. So I, as a rule, I don't nap. And then I started having kind of like upset tummy and GI symptoms, which I completely attributed to the fact that the day before, while cooking in the little house, and tasting all the food, I thought, oh my goodness, maybe I did give us food poisoning. That's all. That was one of my concerns. And then also we had had earlier in that week, we had made, you know, all of our like Christmas cookies and Christmas um, Eve morning. I always make a huge batch of peppermint, mar- peppermint bark popcorn, which is just plain popcorn. But then you melt the vanilla candy coating and you put crushed up peppermints in it. Like what, like if you were going to make peppermint bark, but then you pour it on top of the popcorn. So I make a huge batch of that. We had had brunch at our friend's house. We had all kinds of yummy treats. Basically I ate like crap all day on the 24th. And then I might've given, I was thinking, oh my goodness, maybe I gave us food poisoning. So then, and then I just had this like headache, just kind of a weird headache. And I'd sort of had a weird headache the night before, but I attributed that to, like I said, long story longer, the fact that I was cooking for five hours over a wood stove <laughs> lit by kerosene lamp. Um, this is not a normal, you know, these are not normal, like environmental <laughs> pathogens or whatever that I encounter for multiple hours a day. So I'm thinking, gosh, maybe I like poison myself with kerosene oil. I don't know. But needless to say, I went and took a nap, woke up a couple hours later feeling so much better. So I thought, okay, I'm just tired. I'm just, that's all it is. Well, however, in the back of my mind, I had this little like nagging. What if you're not just tired? What if that's not it? And the reason I'm really feeling that way is because in our original plans for what we were going to do that day, our original plans was wake up that morning, have Christmas at the house have our traditional shrimp and grits brunch. And then after 
in the afternoon, like two or three or later, whatever, but like later in the afternoon, we were going to pack up and head to my sister's. And so reason being a, cause we want to see them. Cause normally we get to see them on Christmas. But reason number two is that my twin niece's first birthday, December 26th. So there was going to be a birthday party on the 26th. And so we planned to get there Christmas night and then be there in the morning. Cause she lives, um, it's like three hours away. But here it is the 25th and I'm just not feeling good. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, like what if I'm actually sick? What if I'm not just tired? What if I'm not just like hungover on lamp oil? What if I'm sick and I show up to this birthday party? So my conscience absolutely is nagging at me. And so I call her and I'm like, listen, and I give her the rundown and I'm like, so anyway, how about this? How about as a new plan, just to be extra cautious Rather than us coming down tonight and then me like, you know, circling the drain tonight at your house where the party's supposed to happen. How about we stay home tonight and then if I feel fine, I'll wake up early in the morning and then we can just jump in the car and come straight there in the morning. Because the birthday party wasn't until like 11. So we, we'd be able to make it. So she was like, that sounds like a plan. You know, I definitely hope you're not sick, but you're right. Probably not a good idea for you to come if you're not sure. So the rest of that day, I felt pretty much fine. I made our shrimp and grits. We had it, instead of having it for brunch, we had it for dinner. And then I went to bed and I felt super duper accomplished because I had been reading the Harry Potter series all year because my oldest child shamed me into reading it. And I had been really struggling to get through book number seven because it's super long, eh? But it's super dark and it's super heavy and it just wasn't fun. It wasn't fun to read like the others had been more fun than this one. It just wasn't fun at all to me. And, you know, I kind of already suspected I knew how it was going to end. So it's kind of like, why are you dragging me through all this stuff? Anyway, I climbed in bed. I read for two hours. I finished the book. Well, by the time I was done reading, I felt like crap, (laughs) like a real actual crap. Like I described it to my sister. I felt like I was getting the flu. My neck was sore, but then I'm like second guessing myself. Maybe it's because I've been laying in bed reading this super heavy book with tiny print for two hours. That could cause a neck ache. But basically by that time I was like, I'm not taking a chance. We're staying home. So I let her know that as far as I was, we weren't going to be able to come to the birthday party. And I just settled in kind of like resignedly to the fact that I was getting sick. I didn't know what it was. Everybody had been telling me COVID didn't feel like the flu. So I didn't think it was COVID. I just thought it was something. And so I went to bed. And the next morning, I woke up. And I felt fine. (laughs) Like, legit fine. Maybe a little tired. But again, I'm 37, almost 38. Um... I have three kids. (laughs) Like when is tired? Not my default setting. So that whole day I just was like, oh my gosh, I'm so mad. I was just hung over on lamp oil or hung over on junk food or, you know, that's probably why I had a stomach ache and the headache was probably from reading Harry Potter. And I just all day I was just lamenting like, And now I miss the birthday party. And I've been really looking forward to that for like a whole year. I love first birthday parties. I think that first birthdays are some of the most fun because the baby has no idea what's going on. 
<laughs> and they just look at you the whole time like, well, what the crap is this? So I love first birthdays. And so that whole day I was just mad, sad, and tired, but not really anything else. So I call my sister and I'm like, man, I just totally missed the kid's birthday for absolutely no reason. And she was like, oh, that sucks, but you'll get to see them tomorrow. And I was like, that's true. So I was still going to get to give them their presents and all of that stuff. So the next morning we went for regularly scheduled um, Christmas celebration with my mom and my siblings. And again, I was fine. I was tired but I was fine. When am I not tired? Right. And at that point I'm just like, okay, I don't know what happened on Christmas day, but, um, whatever. So I get all the way to another day or two later. Again, no more symptoms of any weirdness other than being tired. But like I said, default setting at this point in my life is tired, especially after the holidays, especially after the week leading up to the holidays. So at bedtime, I'm having, I have, I'm old, like I said, (laughs) so I many, many nights drink a bedtime concoction of chamomile tea, powdered magnesium, which helps you fall asleep, and honey to make it not taste like dirt. (laughs) And so I'm in bed and I'm drinking my bedtime tea and my husband had we were watching some show, had come in and he had brought the remainder of a pack of crackers that I had gotten as a special Christmas treat, which are these, if you've never had them, oh my gosh, you have to have them. They're so good. They're called Rosemary Crisps. I think the brand name is 32 Degrees. I get them at the grocery store, like where the fancy cheese is, you know, where they keep the fancy cheese and then they have like the fancy crackers near nearby. I get them near the fancy cheese, but they're so good. They're rose, they're called rosemary crisp and they're super thin. And so you can just like, you can just eat so many of them like in a row. Mm. So he had brought basically the whole box in to bed. And so I'm drinking my chamomile, you know, with my left hand. And then I'm like eating my rosemary crisps with my right. And I noticed that like, "Mm, this doesn't taste right. My tea is tasting weird. And I'm thinking it's because I'm eating rosemary crisps. Because that's not a normal flavor pairing. You don't pair chamomile and rosemary. Mm -mm. It was making all the like grassy dirtness of the chamomile and all of the like herby sharpness of the rosemary. It was all mixing very poorly. And I just thought, ooh, this is a bad, bad combination. So the next morning I wake up and I can hear the coffee brewing in the kitchen, which meant that Chris was making it. And when Chris makes coffee, it's super strong, super duper strong. Like it can walk out of the pot and deposit itself in your cup. So I can hear the coffee brewing and I'm like, Oh, coffee. And so I'm laying there in bed like, Oh, yay. And I'm waiting for the smell to hit me. And it's like not hitting me. And I'm thinking, no, I can hear, I can hear the coffee brewing. That's on the other side of the house. Like I can, I should be able to smell that. And it's like this wave comes over me and I'm like, oh no. (gasps) Oh no. And so I don't jump out of bed because I can't do that anymore. And because of my, (laughs) my herniated disc, I have to do 
I have to do these stretches before I get out of bed. Otherwise I'll have like a flare up of sciatica. So I'm like stressing for the whole 10 minutes. I'm laying there doing my stretches before I can get out of the bed. So I come out of the bedroom and I'm doing this like, like air huff, like very deep nostril inhales. Do I smell anything? Do I smell anything? Nothing. I can't even tell y'all how eerie and how weird it is. It is one of the weirder things I've ever experienced. Like it's on the level of feeling a baby inside your body having hiccups. Like it feels like an alien jumping. Okay. This is, this is on the same plane of weird. And so I walk out to the living room and I'm doing the weird huffing, you know, and nothing. And so I go to the kitchen and I like pour a cup of coffee and I'm holding it to my nose and I can feel like the heat coming off the coffee in my nose. I can feel the warmth in my nose and there's no smell. And like a smart person would have immediately thought, I have COVID. That's COVID. Like I've lost my smell. That's what a smart person would have done. But what I did was I went and tried to find all the smelliest smelling things in the whole house and sniff every single one of them, which I'm amazed didn't give me some sort of like a chemical burn on my throat because I was face first into every candle, deep huffs, nothing, toothpaste, nothing. I even put my face in the jar of garlic nothing. And so I just, it was, it was the weirdest realization. So I took my cup of coffee that I poured and Chris was already out in his office. And so I took my cup of coffee and I walked out to his office and I was like, Hey, and he's like, Hey, what's, what's up? Good morning. And I was like, I can't smell my coffee. (laughs) And he just looked at me like, Oh, okay. Hmm. So he had his moment. He realized it right away. Apparently. Um, he didn't ask me to smell anything else, but then I volunteered the information of all the things I had smelled. And so basically that was, that was when I realized I had the Rona and that day, other than the fatigue, which didn't feel at that point in the recovery process, it did not feel like, um, bone tiredness. Um, it just felt like normal fatigue. But when I lost the smell and then of course I went and tried to taste things and realized like, I can't, I I also can't taste anything. Um, which I think there's a scientific scientifically, I think I've read somewhere that's that's taste is mostly smell because your taste buds, you only have, what is it? Salt, sweet, bitter, and sour. And so the rest of your taste ha- really actually comes from smell affecting it. Anyway, that's when I knew that the Rona had got me. And um, it was another, let's see, I say eight, eight days um, for the whole run of symptoms to finish. So that same day that I lost my sense of taste and smell, all three girls 
had some kind of a symptom. One of them was coughing. One of them had a runny nose. The other one had like a sore throat. Like she described it as snot in her throat. Thank you. Um, all, but all three of that day had some kind of a symptom. And that was pretty much the only day that they had symptoms. It was crazy, crazy how fast it moved through them one day. For me, the progression was pretty much the next day was when I started to feel the tightness, the shortness of breath. Um, had that for a day or two getting progressively worse. Um, towards the end of three or four days of that. And it was very strange because I could take a deep breath. Like it wasn't that my lung capacity was diminished. I could fully inflate. I could breathe really deep and feel that air go like all the way down. Um, but my chest just felt tight. It felt like there was like a strap like around my chest and it wasn't related to activity. Like at one point I was laying in bed watching a Laura Ingalls documentary and it just felt like, like it was just season up on me. But the fatigue was the one thing that got progressively worse every day. And so by like the sixth or seventh day of it, I was just like so bone tired that I was in the, I was just laying in the bed. I never had a fever. So <laughs> ask yourself this. <laughs> If I had all the classic hallmark symptoms of COVID, but I never had a fever, would the COVID, the quote unquote COVID testing at the comedy show venue have detected me and denied me entry? Probably not. So where do I think I got COVID? I definitely think I got it at the comedy show. I don't really think there's any other, there's no other high, I I had not engaged in a high risk activity with the general members of the public in months, like eight to 10 months. Even during our three week road trip, we kept in our quarantine. We did not mix with the general public at the campsite. Like normally at campgrounds, you talk to people and you, you know, but we kept our distance from everybody, all of the social distancing protocols were in place for the parks that we went to, like everywhere. So literally going to Miss Shirlene's show was the only thing that I did. That was really what I would consider risky for the entire year. And I'm pretty sure that that's where Rona got me. I'm pretty sure that that lady that I was sitting at the table with, who was a stranger, I have no idea who she was. I couldn't contact trace her if I wanted to. Um, I'm pretty sure she coughed the Rona all over me. Now, curiously, Chris never got sick. Or I guess I prefer to think of it. He never became symptomatic. I don't know if he was sick or not, but he was never symptomatic. We did not isolate. I did not isolate in the house because of the fact that if you look at the timeline of when, of what symptoms I had when, the symptoms I had on Christmas day were probably COVID, but it took another five days of no symptoms in between for me to develop the like, oh, that's for sure the Rona symptom, which is losing taste and smell. 
And I've tried to do some research and I've tried to read up about that. Um, and there's some suggestion that like some people, which seems to be what happened in my case is that you get a, you get an onset of viral replication, which causes symptoms. And then your body takes a few days, like it takes a few days for the viral load, I guess, to build up to, to then cause like the second wave of symptoms or the continued wave of symptoms. Anyway, um, since there had been so many days in between when I was with the family and, you know, unfettered access, like getting mouth kisses from my youngest child, (laughs) we just didn't see any point in isolating. I know that a lot of people would disagree with that call, but thankfully for us, it appears to have worked out because Chris slept in the same bed as me for the entire duration and never developed any symptoms. Now, every time I looked, so once I, when I lost my taste and smell, I was like, oh, okay, well, this is it. I got the Rona. No question. Well, I still went and looked to see if I could get a test. And at that point in time, so our county has a testing site, but it's open about as frequently as our county's recycling center is, which is like the second Tuesday of the third lunar month from 4.15 to 4.18 PM if it's not raining. (laughs) So the testing site is only open a very few hours every week. And when I started having the taste and smell symptom, I was past the point of it being open for the week. And so I, so I kind of wrote that off as an option. Also, I had been tested at that site months and months and months ago, and it took six days to get the results back. And Chris had been tested at a different site in a different County, and it took two weeks for him to get the results back. So in my mind, I was kind of like, well, here comes the train again. I'm just going to decide to act as though I'm positive. I'm just going to quarantine at home because that's all that test is going to tell me to do anyway. Right. So hopefully you can follow my logic on that. So I gave up on going through the County testing site and I did try to look through the really the only other option that I know of, other than if you are admitted to the hospital and they test you is, um, CVS. So I went, or is it Walgreens? CVS or Walgreens? CVS. I went to the CVS website. It was in the middle of the holiday surge. I mean, there were no testing appointments available for several days out. And it only lets you search like three days out and nothing within 30 miles. And so at a certain point, I just was like, I just gave up. I decided, you know what? I'm 99% sure that's what this is. And I'm going to quarantine anyway, so I'm going to give up on getting tested. So I never got tested during the actual time period that I had symptoms. However, today I was able to go to Kroger. Miraculously, I found that Kroger was offering a $25 walk-in, donate a drop of blood to the test, and have results in 15 minutes about your antibody status. And I am pleased to say that I tested positive for the COVID antibodies. So I now have proof that this is actually what happened because let me tell y'all, I read this online while I was in the middle of being sick. So I know that there's been a lot of talk about what is COVID like? Is it like the flu? Is it just a bad flu? 
Is it not like the flu? Okay, here's just my experience. I can only speak for my own experience. COVID was nothing like the flu for me. The flu, you actually want to die. Like when the flu hits you, it hits you like a truck. You were fine two hours ago. Now you're not. And the symptoms of the flu come on so fast and so strong that it like it takes you out. That's how it's always been for me every time I've had the flu. This was not that. COVID was not fast, lay you out like a truck. It, it, this is what I read on Reddit, okay? <laughs> Somewhere on a subreddit or a Reddit or subreddit, whatever those things are called, people were discussing the fact that they had COVID and what their symptoms were and what the progression of their symptom was. Because the, the information I was trying to find was, how do you know, like, at what point in having COVID are you past the quote unquote, like window of it getting bad. Like if you're already on day, whatever of symptoms, like, are you out of the woods or is there still a chance that you're going to spiral the drain? Now, just let me tell you, that's not a good thing to Google (laughs) while you have active COVID symptoms because without fail, all the information I found basically said, Oh, you could be fine on day six, seven, eight, nine. And then on day 10, you could circle the drain and end up on a ventilator. Okay. So it was not helpful information, what I was finding. But one of the, one of the threads I read all the way to the bottom on Reddit was that these people were saying, I don't know if I have COVID. Should I go get tested? And they're all talking about, and basically it was just a whole bunch of people saying very similar things to what I experienced, which is that, well, I had this one symptom, but then it went away. And then I felt fine for a couple days. Then I had this new symptom, but it really wasn't that bad. And then it was fine. And then I had this, you know, third symptom. And so for most people, the common denominator was that losing the sense of taste and smell. And so what this Redditor said, which is what stuck in my mind is that what she said was, I feel like this disease is gaslighting me. That is what COVID felt like for me. It definitely felt like being sick, but it didn't feel like being so sick that I was worried about dying. Honestly, the reason that I was worried was because of eight months or 10, I guess 10 by that point in time, 10 months of relentless media coverage about it being a deadly pandemic. That is where most of my suffering came from during my course of symptoms. I had symptoms for about 10 days, never at any point were they severe, never at any point did I think that I needed to seek medical care. I even gave up on getting a test. Like none of those things were the case. It was that it was the anxiety. It was literally waking up every day and thinking, is this the day? Is this the day that like it gets really bad? And I have to take, I have to go to the hospital. Like Chris has to drop me off at the hospital and I have to go alone because they won't let anyone come with me. And like, this is this the day? That was the biggest stressor. It was also very stressful worrying that maybe I had gotten someone else sick without knowing it. Cause like I said, I, you know, we had our family Christmas. Um, nobody got sick. Nobody had any type of, and like I said, I slept in the bed with Chris every night. Like always, he never got sick. So, um, all was well that ends well, to quote Ma Ingalls. But it was a very singularly weird experience and it felt like 
such a fitting, such a fitting end to 2021. Um, on New Year's Eve, when I, when the fatigue, the fatigue was the thing that took me out the most towards the end of it. Um, and so I think New Year's Eve was the night when I was feeling the beginning of that, like bone tired fatigue. And that lasted for another five or six days. Um, but it was New Year's Eve and I was laying, I was laying in my bed and my child, Lord love her. She's 13. She had just finished yelling at me (laughs) for being sick because I ruined all her New Year's Eve plans. We had, we have for the last couple of years, we've gone over to, (coughs) excuse me, for, to our friend's house for New Year's Eve. And she was like super looking forward to it. And so I ruined that so they they couldn't do that. So she came in and she yelled at me for about an hour. I got a text from my friend, one of my friends in town. She lives like 33 minutes away. So it was really special that she drove all the way out there. But she texted me that she had left me a pound cake and a bottle of sparkling cider on the front porch so that the kids would have treats for New Year's Eve. And so um, they got to have some treats thanks to her. So, (laughs) um, it was a very fitting end to the year. Honestly, (laughs) I was asleep before midnight (laughs) and I'm very grateful that it was a mild case. I'm very grateful that I didn't appear. I can't quantitatively say this, but it does not appear that I passed it on to anyone. Well, my kids, apparently, I, I think they, I think they all had it. But like I said, they had like one day of symptoms. Um, Chris never got it. And thankfully we already lived the kind of lifestyle that I was able to just quarantine. So I did. So we did a full quarantine for me 14 days. And then, um, yeah, then we then we exited and ever since then I have to admit like I've been feeling a little bit bulletproof. Um and not I didn't have proof until today. Got my antibody test today. Um but I have been feeling a little bit bulletproof since then. It kind of feels like I, you know, like I have a secret weapon. Like I beat COVID. And so I'm, I have a little bit more grace, I think, for all these people that I see walking around town, you know, without a mask on because people should be able to do that if that's what they want to do. But now I get it. <laughs> now I'm kind of like, oh, maybe they beat COVID. Like maybe they already had it, you know, or maybe they're just not worried about it. That's okay too. I really, I'm okay with it. You don't have to be worried about it. In fact, some of the happiest people that I've had, um, interactions with over the last year, even though they've had, they've been limited because our church hasn't been meeting in person for most of the last year. Um, the, one of the, the sweetest, most loving ladies ever that I've ever met is Miss Judy. She is my middle daughter's Sunday school teacher. And, um, she just loves my girls. She just like from day one, she adored them and, is always doing special little things for them. Like, I think it was the second Sunday we were at church. I guess my child had said something about little house on the prairie (laughs) in their first, first weekend Sunday school, which wouldn't surprise me at all. The very next Sunday, Miss Judy had a little house on the prairie book to give her that she had had at her house and that her grandkids had grown out of. And anyway, Miss Judy's the sweetest. And so Miss Judy, like 
She does what she wants. She knows she's going to heaven. She's not worried about it. She turned 80 this year. She had, um, you know, zero Fs to give about the COVID. And so um, I'm trying to be a little bit more, like, open-minded when I see people out in public. Like, you know what? Maybe they just aren't scared. And they don't have to be. Like, we don't have to be scared if we don't want to be. Right? The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Well, anyway, I'm not going to deny I lived in fear. I lived in fear of the COVID to some degree and um, had some moments of anxiety during my recovery. And today's test results, it feels good to know that that's what it was because now, you know, I do believe that the science has shown that that means that I have some level of immunity. So I'm not going to be out there like licking doorknobs or anything like that. I am now kind of, it feels good to be like going into 2021. I know we're already in the second month of 2021, but it feels good going into 2021 to be like, okay, I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know if I'll make any plans to go to comedy shows in the near future. Although it was amazing. Did I did I mention that part? It was hilarious. It was the best time. I have not laughed like that in I don't know how long. So comedy shows for sure worth it Um, in non-COVID years. <coughs> I wouldn't recommend you go to one now if you don't want to catch COVID. <laughs> but anyway, I'm embracing 2021 feeling a little bulletproof, but going to, you know, be on my best behavior anyway, because I'm a team player and a rule follower and all those things. But I just figured that maybe it would help someone else who has spent a similar amount of time to me worrying about COVID. (coughs) Excuse me. This is not a COVID cough. This is a dry throat cough because I got strep throat from my kids last week. I just finished my Z-Pack last night. (coughs) Sorry. Anyway, let us not be fearful because the future looks bright and let us live like Miss Judy, who is um, just very confident. <laughs> and yeah, that's really all. That's really all I have to say. I'm a little rusty at this. Can you tell? Didn't stop me from talking for more than an hour, but um, that was a lot of history to catch up on. And, um, I already have the next episode planned in my mind. Um, it's going to be episode number 40. (coughs) And I don't think it's going to be about the fact that I'm staring down 40. I have something like 400 days before I turn 40. Maybe I'll do a 40 before 40 list. Maybe not. I don't know if I could accomplish 40 things in the next 400 days, honestly, unless we're talking about like 40 meals (laughs) or like 40 bottles of wine or something. Um, But that doesn't seem like a healthy goal. So I'm going to skip that. But no, I have a totally unrelated to 40 um, episode planned. And so hopefully I'll have it sooner than the last one came in. Um... It's been a while since I said this, so in case you don't remember, I'm going to say what I always say, which is that you can find me at oddlyadulting 
oddlyadulting.com. You can find me on Instagram. The handle is at oddlyadulting. Not that there's any new content there because I am very infrequently posting, really only when I publish an episode. But anyway, and you can email me at oddlyadulting at gmail.com. You can even donate to the podcast if you want to, to keep paying the $12 a month to keep it hosted. That's what I use some of the donations for. I also am saving up to buy some equipment to do um, long distance guest hosting. And that's all the business I needed to cover. So the last thing I'm going to say is I love you and Jesus and Miss Judy, if she knew you, does too. Bye. Kevin McLeod, winner, winner. <laughs>